Sean was telling us that story about the BK brother. And I go, dude, you got to tell people that. And so, and so last service, he tells Jaron to start the song, and he starts trying to tell the story. It's all dunk, dunk, and it's like, you can't hear a thing anyway. Yeah. Mickey Brother! <laughs> Seriously, if uh, you've never been here this morning, welcome. <laughs> You're like, you guys are weird. Yeah, that's how it works. Okay, uh, so our softball teams. Uh, Monday night, co-ed. Woo! Yay. Uh, 14 to 6. I hit a home run <laughs> on on errors, okay? So there's nobody in right field. So I go, oh, cool, bink, I hit it to right field. And I go running to first base, and all of a sudden this guy runs, he gets it like before him, really even to first base, and he picks it up, and he goes. <laughs> and I'm like, sweet. You know? So I go running to second, and then he finally gets it, and he throws it past somebody else, and I'm around there, I'm like, oh, yeah. Home run, right there. <laughs> I'll take it wherever I can get it. Uh, the the men's team played Friday night and they won 19 to 16. Britt says they almost came from ahead to, to lose, but again, but but you guys won. 19 runs though, that's amazing. Ten or I'll bet you guys are like we're awesome. And then all of a sudden you just can't score anymore. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, last thing I want to tell you before we start is. On the corner of Cook and Broadway, there's a Methodist church on the corner, and I have a friend who's involved helping them do this barbecue today. And I don't know if they have extra, if they sold out at this point, but if you guys are going to go eat lunch after this service and you're going to go out somewhere, you guys should run by there. There's a little girl. The doctors don't even really know what's wrong with her, but she has to have brain surgery to try and figure out what's going on, and her parents can't afford it. So they're doing this benefit barbecue for her, and if you're going to go out and eat anyway, you may as well drive by there and help the little kid out as you're doing that. Cool? I don't like barbecue. Well, okay. I'll get a BK, brother. All right, why don't you guys stand me for reading of God's Word. This is Psalm 29, verses 3 and 4, and it says this. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Let's pray. Father, this morning we ask as a people that we would hear that majestic and powerful and wonderful voice of yours. That we would understand that you are our shepherd and we are sheep. And we ask as your sheep that we would hear your voice and we would follow you. Amen. Have a seat. So we are in, if you're your first time here, we've been going through the book of John. This is actually John chapter 10. It's only taken us like 23 weeks to get here. But we're double digits. Yeah. Unlike the stock market, we will not go back down. I didn't fly in any service yet. I'm waiting for somebody to laugh at that joke. I thought it was funny. Uh, thank you. All right. Uh, before we start John chapter 10, I've got to run through a bit of background so you can understand the picture of where Jesus is coming at, what he's trying to paint of shepherds and sheep. I'm gonna, this is going to be a lot more simple than normal messages I give you. Uh, I'm also going to give you a lot of information. There's going to be a lot of dual meaning in the information I give you. I'm not going to give you every application because I want you at the end of this to sit and pray and say, okay, God, how does this interpret to me today. You know, what type of things, sheep, shepherd, what does that look like? How do I hear the things that have said and then apply it to me today? So I'm going to give you some applications, not all of them, and almost everything about shepherd and sheep has a total dual meaning towards sheep and then us as well. So uh, the profession of, of shepherd is not a very big profession today. I know one guy, he comes to first service that sees, oversees sheep and that's it. All of us know, really know about sheep is that they're furry and they live outside. 
Jacob in Genesis, he is a shepherd, and somehow he understands that sheep, when they mate, they like certain branches in the water, and you read that and you go, uh, okay, whatever, we don't really get it. Uh, the deal with shepherd and sheep is that shepherds simply were those who tend, feed, and guard their flocks of sheep. Uh, in Jesus' day, shepherds would typically carry certain uh, equipment for their task as a shepherd. They'd carry a bag. This bag would be made of goat skin. Uh, not sheepskin, goatskin, because they care about sheep and not goats, apparently. Uh, and, and so they carry this, and in that they would put food and water and other items. They would carry a sling, and the sling is there to defend you against wild animals and thieves and robbers that try and attack your flock. A sling is like a, a slingshot, but a really old school, because you don't have a gun, and you've got to throw a rock. You better throw it really hard if you're going to kill an animal, so you need a sling. Uh, they would have a flute, and most sources say a flute for entertaining himself and the sheep. So apparently you have to entertain the sheep while you're out there. It's like, cha-cha-cha, you know. And, and the sheep are like, bah, you know. So there's no PSPs, there's no Xboxes, no iPhones, no downloadable games, no texting. So you've got to keep yourself alert some other way. Apparently that is by playing a flute and entertaining the sheep. So you'd have a cloak. A cloak is, is a wool garment that you would also use for your bedding. You would have a stick or a rod that was about a meter long with a big ball on the top. So when your stupid sheep did something, you can go, boom, don't do that, sheep. Or if an animal comes at you, you can be like, boom, animal. We all need one of those like in the backseat of our car, don't we? Like a big old cop pulls you over. What's that? I'm a shepherd. <laughs> it's my stick. It's called my equalizer. Uh, you'd have a... You'd have a... a, a a staff, and in the staff it'd have a big old crook on the end, so if your sheep are kind of like wayward, you'd be like, hey, and you pull them back. You ever see the gong show, anybody? <laughs> gong! That's, except instead of pulling off the stage, you'd be pulling them you know, where they need to go. So you'd have those kind of things. Shepherds uh, would care for their sheep kind of like family pets. I was talking to a guy after second service, and he said, but uh, sheep don't act this way in America. And I go, that's because it's mass-produced. You've got like a million sheep out there and a guy in a Chevy going, honk, sheep. You know, in this, in this age, these, these shepherds would have a smaller flock. They would spend all day with the sheep. That's their job, spending it with the sheep so their sheep would know them and they would know their voices. Um, typically, they would know their sheep by names, so they would name all their sheep. When birthing season rolls around, they would spend a night, the nights in the field with their sheep, making sure they were okay. Uh, you see this actually in Jesus' birth narrative in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. That's because it was probably spring, and in spring they would stay in the fields with their sheep while they're birthing. The best-known uh, shepherd in Scripture is probably David, who is King David. You know, he's so good with that sling that he takes out a gigantic, gigantic evil man with it. Boom! If you read the King James, he hits him right in the span. It's cool. If not, whatever. Uh, many prominent people were shepherds in Scripture. You have Abel from Genesis 4.2. You have Abraham from Genesis 12.16. You have Rachel from Genesis 29.9. Uh, so it's an equal opportunity profession. See, uh, You have Jacob from Genesis 30.31 and Moses from Exodus 3.1. So if you decide, I want to be a shepherd, you've got a pretty good lineage to go with there. Uh, so a shepherd would take care of a group of, of sheep called a flock. And from what I could find, taking care of sheep is not as easy as it sounds because sheep are very stupid. Uh, shepherds, they would look for green pastures to take their flock to, and, and they would graze them, and they would keep them safe from tigers and lions and bears. Oh, my. Yes. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Every service got that, too. It, it was great. So they, they would protect them from these, these wild animals. Uh, turn to Psalm 23. Turn to Psalm 23. 
David in the Old Testament, uh, he, as I said, was a shepherd. And so he has a very clear idea of what God being his shepherd would actually look like as a real shepherd. It's, it's a really great portrayal in Psalm chapter 23. Uh, wait till you get there. Psalm 23, verse 1. Starts off like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, David, again, being a shepherd himself, he'd fight off bears and lions away from his flock. He understands that with God as his shepherd, things are fine and there's absolutely no reason to fret. Unless the ambulance goes by and pulls one of you out of here. That doesn't mean I fret. But you don't, you don't fret because God is in control, so we trust God completely. Uh, verse 2, it says, He makes me lie in green pastures. What separates a farmer from a shepherd is a farmer would take their food to their flock. A, a shepherd is nomadic, so he would take his flock to the places where it was best for them to grace. He would take them different places. It says, He leads me beside quiet waters. Uh, again, sheep, again, are very stupid. And one source I read said that they get mesmerized by ripples in like a stream. So they stand in a stream, and they're like, <laughs> And they just kind of go, down the stream, and then they drown, and they die. It's like, well, that's not good. So a shepherd, he would go and he would try and find pools of water that, that didn't have ripples. They were very calm. And then it'd be, okay, you can drink out of that. So shepherds would look for that. See all the connotations that you have? Double meanings. We're, we're all, oh, God, look at oh. And we go, and we fall down and suddenly we go floating downstream, which is terrible. Verse 3, he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So the shepherd saves the sheep not just from predators, but also from the sheep themselves. Uh, restoring wayward sheep. And sheep are very interesting because they are very different from every other animal. Sheep rely heavily on a leader of the, mentac- of the pack mentality. And so if, it, if it's not a shepherd that they follow, they will typically follow another sheep. And sometimes sheep, as again, they're dumb. One sheep goes over a cliff and they all go, that looks like fun. And they all go over the cliff. Again, sheep are dumb. Uh, sheep get agitated when they find themselves alone. Uh, research shows that, that sheep being the social creatures that they are, when they're grazing, they will even look up while they're grazing to make sure there's other sheep still around. Uh, my, my friend that, that takes care of sheep from first service, uh, his wife was telling me that uh, when they're shearing the sheep this last year, uh, the last one was left in the truck. And he goes, don't get the last sheep. Let me get that sheep. And she goes, no, no, it's okay, I'll just grab it. And he's like, okay. She opens it because that sheep was alone for so long, it was so agitated and freaked out, she opened it, and it took off. So she grabs onto it. I guess you don't want to do that. Took her for a ride, runs her into a fence, knocked her out. Yeah. You need that shepherd's crook. Whew. Or that stick with the ball on top. Bam. Get back here, you dumb sheep. Um, uh, it's been reported that some sheep have actually died when they've fallen over and no other sheep were around to actually roll them back up. Kind of like a turtle uh, kind of deal. Uh, sheep have narrow tunnel vision, so they don't see all the things peripheral. They only see what's kind of right in front of them. See, these are all sermons, but you're only going to get one, so thank God for that, okay? Uh, it is not coincidence that God calls himself a shepherd and human beings sheep because we typically can be very dumb. And there are many similarities that if study can help us as humans in our humanity to understand our relationship with God. As humans, we have narrow vision. Our intellect is completely limited. Our thinking is faulty because of our fallen nature. We follow certain other sheep thinking they know the right way. It's like, oh, look at the Oprah sheep. Bam, boom, right over the cliff. And there you all go. You know, it's like, oh, look at the Dr. Phil sheep. Bam, boom, uh, right over the cliff. You know, Deepak Chopra, right over the cliff. And God is not 
a person like you and I. God is our chief shepherd that we can follow, and he's not going to lead us over a cliff. The shepherd moves his flock from one pasture to another, looking for the best place for the flock to graze, meaning God, as our shepherd, knows the right season to graze, where to graze. He knows the best time to graze. He knows what we need and when we need it. And yet we are sheep and we're not the smartest creatures in the world. And we get very angry at God when he does not hand us what we think we need at the moment that we think we need it. Now, sheep love green pastures. It is the desire of a shepherd to have his flock in green pastures. But green pastures can also be dangerous depending on the terrain. So the shepherd is taller than sheep. He sees a wider vision than the sheep does. He sees all of the green that is in front of us. He is, has a greater vantage point. And so sometimes he will know when there are wild animals or the terrain is more dangerous than what it actually brings for the benefits of us. Our shepherd guides us on the paths of righteousness despite our narrow vision and stubbornness. So with that in mind, turn to John chapter 10. It's like all that just to get to John 10? Yes. Get there. Jesus starts his discourse about the good shepherd. This is taking place between two feasts, the Feast of Tabernacles, which we looked at a couple weeks ago, and the Feast of Dedication, which we'll look at next week. Uh, if you go and you look at Matthew 18 or Luke chapter 15, John 10, all show the shepherd's concern for the sheep. So chapter 10, verse 1 starts like this. I tell you the truth. And again, Jesus used this phrase. It's a double, uh, double use of the verb truly, truly, or amen, amen. It means Jesus does not lie. What he's going to say, listen to me. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So a sheep pen in this day was typically made of mud or brick or even like uh, hewn out of the side of a, of a mountain. So it's kind of a little cave type thing. They'd put a little gate across the front of this so that sheep could pass through back and forth. This protected the sheep from animals and thieves who wouldn't enter by the gate like everybody else would. A thief and a robber, this is two separate meanings. A thief is the word kleptes, which is like you're a klepto. Where'd you take my stuff, you klepto? It has this whole idea of con man. It is subtlety and trickery. It's a con man. And then you have robber. The word for robber is lestes. And this, this means uh, violence, like you're getting mugged and someone takes your purse on the subway, which we don't have, but takes your purse and, you, and goes running off with it. You know, it, it, it implies violence and plundering. Neither of these people care about the sheep. They only care about themselves and what they can get from the sheep. The Hebrew word for uh, shepherd is the, is the word ra'ah. Everybody say ra'ah. It's like a kung fu. You know, it's, it's, it's a great word. And then you get to the Greek, or the Greek word is called poimain. Everybody say poimain. Poimain. And that translates as shepherd. In English, we actually translate that as the word pastor. As pastor. Now, what, what is, in a practical level, the best way I can break this down for you is if you're married, okay, and you're in a home and you're a guy, uh, you are the shepherd to your family. You are the pastor of your family. You are to protect and to care for the flock underneath you. So uh, if you have a daughter, many boys are going to show up. They are thieves and robbers. <laughs> Amen. Do not let a knucklehead into your daughter's sheep pen. He is a thief. He is a robber. Okay? If you have boys, then you teach them they are to be concerned about other people's sheep and that one day they also will be a shepherd and have to oversee their own family as a church. Element, we have elders. Elders in, in the church are considered pastors or shepherds. We at times can look very mean because we will kick thieves and robbers out of here that want to hurt you. Jesus, over above everything, is our chief head shepherd uh, who oversees 
the way it works like this is we believe at Element that Jesus is, if you have our vernacular, our senior pastor. Jesus is the head of the church. And we have elders that seek his guidance, that sit underneath him. We are under shepherds to the chief shepherd. That's how it works. Okay, so Jesus is our chief shepherd. And no one can hurt you without getting his notice. Verse 3. The watchman opens the gate for him. That's the shepherd. And all the sheep listen to his voice. Again, that's the shepherd. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Now, a pen at this time would hold several different flocks. And so a shepherd would go in and he would call his sheep. He'd go in and he'd say, I don't got a good call. He'd be like, Mickey brother. No, he'd walk in and he'd go, yeah, let's use that. He'd walk in and he'd go, Mickey brother. And the sheep would go, hey, that's Sean. That's my guy. And and they'd go, and they'd perk up and they'd they'd walk out and they would follow this guy. Uh, Again, in, in an oriental setting, all these guys had names for all of their sheep. They would call them. The sheep would hear that. They would understand that. I mean, I personally find this amazing because I can't remember anybody's name. You, know, you all look the same to me. So. You're all like sheep. Yeah. And instead of the shepherd driving his sheep, he would call them and then he would lead them and they would follow his voice. See, whenever, wherever the, the sheep went, the shepherd would go there first to provide protection as well as guidance and the best pasturage possible. And sometimes we as people, we rebel against this idea because we think that God hasn't been there. God doesn't see what we're going through. God doesn't understand. I need this now, right now we think he doesn't care but he does i will tell you the hardest times in our lives when we feel like god is not talking to us and we can't hear him and and where is he are the times when god is leading us the most i i could bring up here person after person after person who would say man there's this time in my life i couldn't hear god i didn't know what was going on i felt totally lost and then they get to the other side of that and they realize how much they grew and how much closer they are to god and how much more of the truth they're committed to because god brought them through something in their life. The shepherd will lead us where he knows we can grow, not just where it is safe. Uh, in the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, it's by C.S. Lewis. It's this whole allegory about salvation and Christ and all this. Uh, the lion in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is named Aslan. He, he's a Christ figure. And there's a little girl in the book. Her name is Lucy. And she's going to go meet Aslan for the very first time. And so she's talking to some woodland creatures, some beavers, which I think is funny but uh she's talking to some beavers and she goes she goes is he safe because she's worried about meeting this guy for the very first time is he safe and the, and the beavers say who said anything about safe of course he's not safe but he's good but he's good i mean jesus doesn't just take us to a place that we think are safe he is very good and takes us where we know we will grow jesus says this to the sheep verse five but they will never follow a stranger in fact they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice jesus uses figure of speech but they did not understand what he was telling them so if a, if a stranger came in and he tried to go brother, right the sheep would go well that's that's the call but that's not him and they would scatter because they would know so intimately their shepherd's voice. They would scatter. they think, well, that's a robber and a thief. That's a fake call. I don't think that's so much true today with us because I don't think we spend a lot of time listening to our chief shepherd. We spend all of our time listening to each other or ourselves or, or popular culture, what, what feels or sounds right. I cannot tell you how many people I talk to and they say, well, I believe this because it works for me. And I think, what? God doesn't really give us that option. Christianity shouldn't always work for you. Christianity is tough. It is hard. It confronts our assumptions. It builds us into who we're supposed to be. It isn't just work for you. It should break you down and build you up into who you're supposed to be. This is going to be very harsh, so just go with me for a minute and don't run out of here. Um, I can't tell you how many people end up in my office that do premarital counseling for. 
uh, I mean, probably 50, 60 couples, you know, over the last couple of years at this point. And, and they come in, and, and they're living together. And, they, and I ask them, are you Christians? And they say, yes, I'm a Christian. Now, people who don't claim to be Christians, you know, I'm like, whatever, because I don't expect non-Christians to live like, like a believer. Uh, I do usually give them the, the statistic that people who live together before they get married have a 75% higher chance of divorce, statistically speaking. Uh, but people who are Christians, I go, so how do you jive that, calling yourself a believer and, and, and living together? Because our lives are supposed to be the gospel that we preach. It's not just our lungs where you got some weirdo on the corner with a sign, repent, the end is near. It is how we live. It's how we love. It's how we touch the lives around us. And so you, everybody's preaching a gospel by how we live. And so I say, you're preaching a false gospel, which usually shocks people. And they go, what? And I will tell you, nine out of ten people that I say this to, they go, no one's ever talked to us like that, which I'm like, okay. You know? <laughs> and they go, can we come back and see you again? And I'm like, yeah, I'll beat you up some more. Great. You know, <laughs> let's go. And, 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 and that's the thing. Here's the thing for parents. Uh, George Barna did a study last November that shows that we do what is convenient as parents and not what is right. It showed that the majority of parents who purchase DVDs or music for their kids, 46% of them are not comfortable with the purchase, but they buy it anyway to make their kids happy. Barna says, when the decision is made to keep their children happy, the Christian parent is often left with a pit in their stomach. You know why? Because the shepherd's call is different. We know there's something different. We need to live up to the call that we have received. It says, Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Many commentators say the reason is that their hearts were very hard. I think that they knew what Jesus was calling them to. They just shut everything down because they didn't want to do what the shepherd called them to. Verse 7 says, Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. Now, after grazing the sheep all day, the shepherd would bring them back to the pen. He would inspect them for wounds to make sure they were okay. He would give them water, and they would lay down inside the pen. And then he would lay down in the front of the pen, becoming the gate himself. So the shepherd becomes the gate. Jesus uses the I am statement. He is the sole determiner of who enters the fold. The shepherd is the gate. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He determines. It's not this bizarre theology of, oh, I'm a good person, and therefore God's got to like me. You know? Well, how nice you know, if you get to make that determination. But we don't. We don't. Verse 8, Jesus says, All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them when they said, when they said, Be came brother. He, they didn't listen. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He, who, he will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So the purpose of Jesus giving salvation to the sheep is to the glory of God. And he defines this as free access to life. We go in, we come out. Jesus gives new meaning to life because only he can offer true life, guidance, love, satisfaction. That's who he is. Verse 11, Jesus says, I am, and there it is again, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Good shepherd has the connotation that there are bad shepherds out there. And if the thieves come to steal, kill, and destroy, the good shepherd not only does not kill, but he, takes, he gives people new life to men and women, and he takes death from them. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This idea runs through the entire Old Testament. Like I said, Psalm 23, when I looked at it, the, the Lord is my shepherd. Jeremiah 23, 1 through 3, God speaks of gathering the nations again as his flock under his care. In Ezekiel 34, 13 through 15, God says the same thing. And actually, verse 15 of Ezekiel 34, God says this, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. It's a beautiful idea. 
And this whole thing of the shepherd laying down his life for the sheep is all through John's writings as well. The word life has more than the implication of physical existence. Sometimes the word life is actually translated as the word soul. You know, the, the shepherd is ready to give his entire existence for the sake of the sheep. And you contrast that with verse 12. It says, The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when the, he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The difference between Jesus and everyone else is that everyone is going to let you down. Everyone will abandon you at some point except for Jesus. It is why at Element we constantly say Jesus is our senior pastor. This is Jesus' church, period. Your elders will lead you and do the best we can, but at times we will let you down and irritate you because we're people. We'll not always do it on purpose, but maybe we might even sometimes. It's going to happen. That is why your faith is to be in Jesus and not in people. A hired hand is not the chief shepherd. Trials will come, and I think trials sometimes are there to show who deserves the title of shepherd and who doesn't, even in human terms. And when a wolf comes, bad, uh, these bad shepherds abandon their flock and they run. And so Jesus affirms in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. As opposed to all those thieves and robbers, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. The good shepherd's relationship is based on knowledge. The word knowledge is the word gnosko. It means more than just mental assent to facts. It implies relationship and trust and intimacy. The example that Jesus gives is his relationship with his father is this whole idea of knowing. He proves he is the good shepherd by laying down his life. Verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. This would be us. This is you and I. Yay, Jesus talks about us. Okay, Non-Jews who Jesus would send the apostles to go talk to. This is not the whole idea of the Mormons and magical submarines and Native Americans and all that. This is the, the idea of all those who are sheep. Augustine says this about this. He says, He knows the foreknown. They are the sheep. For a time they do not even know what they are themselves. But the shepherd knows them. But the shepherd knows them. And so Jesus says, they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. Jesus says this three times. I lay it down. I give my life. Three times he says this. The the sacrifice of Jesus' life gives new life meaning to our lives it brings back broken relationships between us and god and us and each other the idea of reconciliation first john three sixteen says this is how we know what love is jesus christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers jesus died for us we love and lay down ourselves for each other and when jesus makes all of these statements the cross is very clear on the horizon this is before he, he goes in and he gets betrayed. And in John's gospel, it happens very quickly after this moment when this happens. And so Jesus speaks of his death with two clear things. The first one, it was completely voluntary, completely voluntary. No one could have laid a hand on him unless he allowed it. The second thing is, though he lays down his life, he has the power to take it up again. He has the power to do it. His plan to submit to death was not suicide. It was a plan to emerge victorious over our enemies of Satan, sin, and death. Anyone can die. Anyone that only the Son of the Father could resume his existence at will. The entire plan is motivated by the will of the Father, Jesus' love of the Father, and the Father's love for you and I. Not because we are so good or so worthy, but because God is good.
shepherd. We are sheep. And again, there's probably 10 different messages in here. You can talk about, you know, where our vision is scattered at. You know, where, what kind of pasturage are we in? What voices are we listening to? Who are we trusting? But the bottom line is that God is the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And, and when I call us dumb sheep, a lot of people don't like that, you know, because we're not smart enough to figure out that we're dumb and we need a shepherd. This idea also polarizes the hearers of what Jesus says. Verse 19, at these words, the Jews again were divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? Don't listen to Jesus. We know better than him. You know what you want. You know what you need. Determine your own morality. You do your own rule. You're God. Go to hell. That's a plan. Verse 21, but others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Referring back to the last chapter where Jesus heals the guy that's born blind. In our vernacular, basically what they're saying is, Jesus doesn't talk like some religious, freaky, homeless guy in a trucker cap trying to pick up on unsuspecting chicks who wander underneath the overpass late at night. Okay? That's not Jesus. He doesn't sound like a new age guru, you know, telling you to get in touch with your inner spirit child or your God consciousness. He is not a modern day psychotherapist who builds up your self esteem by telling you how wonderful you are. He is God. Period. He speaks truth. He spanks our inner child. He tells you to kill your pride. Stop being self centered. Realize you're a sheep and that you need a shepherd. And stop following everybody else. You have to listen to his voice and some people in the crowd get it they hear the truth i think the real question is do we do we hear the truth i like this picture right here um because uh obviously it wasn't taken back when jesus was around we didn't have cameras okay but uh this whole idea people go oh that's so cute he's carrying a little sheep around Back in, in Jesus' day, what happens, if, if there was a sheep that a, that a shepherd had and it kept wandering off and wandering off and wandering off, the shepherd would go pick it up and he would break its leg. And then he would bind its leg and then he would put it on his shoulder. So when you see the picture of like Jesus, you know, that, that old Jesus, that's because he broke the sheep's leg. And he carries it around with him until that leg heals. And then after that leg is healed, he puts it back down and that sheep never leaves his side again. Sometimes in our lives, we go through pain. And I will tell you, I mean, sometimes it hurts like hell. It does. And yet, God takes us through those things. So on the other side, and we're like, I don't even know if God's here. I, I can't feel, where is he? God, God, God. And on the other side, we're like, God was holding me close to him the entire time. And we stick closer to him, and we follow him, and we hear his voice better after going through the trials that we go through. Do we understand that Jesus is the one who speaks and brings us truth? If we do, then we should follow him and love him. Only the chief shepherd can lead us to true life. The shepherd does not drive the sheep. He calls them. They hear his voice. He leads them, and they follow him. The question is, are we following? Are we following? You know, are we, are we sitting in brown pastures thinking it's green when the chief shepherd's going, Hey, over here. Follow me. You're going to get it. Are we distracted by the ripples in the water? Like, are we doing that? Where are we distracted? Who? Clement of Alexandria, he's one of the original church fathers, and he writes this about this section of Scripture. He says, In our sickness we need a Savior, and our wanderings a guide, and our blindness someone to show us the light, and our thirst the fountain of living water that quenches forever the thirst of those who drink from it. We dead people need life. We sheep need a shepherd. We children need a teacher. The whole world needs Jesus. 
I mean, I could not sum this up better if I tried. So, with that in mind, we come to communion. And communion is the place where we remember that our chief shepherd died to bring us into the fold. And so we break the cracker, which resembles his body, which was broken for us. We dip it in the wine or the grape juice, which reminds us of his blood that was shed for you and I. So we can come into the fold. So we worship God through communion. We worship God through prayer. If you, this morning, are going, I can't hear the shepherd's voice and I would really like to, there'll be elders and deacons in the back of the room and they would love to pray with you to help you to understand that. Uh, Also, as I said, the band's going to come up. And as they do, I I had Sean throw a little extra song in here so it'll be just a little bit longer in music than normal because I want you guys to also sit there and say, okay, God, let me know. Let, Let me know which out of the 20 things that Aaron didn't talk about relate to me and you that I need to listen to you more. I mean, maybe you do get distracted a lot. Maybe all the ripples of our culture are like, oh, I just, wow. And, and you kind of go around right that way. Bah, you know, there you go. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But, you know, Jesus calls us to live and follow him. And so pray. Ask him. He will talk to you. We worship God uh, through giving. There's offering boxes on the sidewall and in the very back of the room. Uh, we're going to worship God uh, through fellowship. So hopefully when we're done, you guys can hang out, get to know each other, go buy some barbecue downtown. Um, it's kind of funny. Sometimes people have said this to me. Even this week, someone asked me, they said, how's your church? And I go, and I always chafe at that. I'm like, Ooh. because I'm like, it's not my church. It's Jesus' church. And I always say, it's Jesus' church. It's not my church. And they always go, oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, and, they, and they think I'm just kidding. And I'm not kidding. I, when, when I say this is Jesus, it is Jesus' church, period. That's all it is. Every church in the entire world, no matter when people think it's theirs, it is Jesus' church. He is the one, is the chief shepherd that oversees everything. And we are the people of his pasture. We are those who are supposed to listen to his voice and to follow him. And sometimes the best way to do that is as a flock. When God calls us and we all go, hey, you know, woo, stay away from the ripply water, you know, and, and, and we follow because, and sometimes other sheep are good to help us to go that direction. Guys, we need to be those who listen to the chief shepherd. And when we do, and when we live our lives following that chief, I think other people will see that as well. And they will say, wow, they live different. Not freaky, weirdo, Christian, you know, like you see on, on the TV that you're like, oh, I can't stand looking at Christians on TV because they drive me nuts. Uh, but real, real life, live following Jesus, loving the world around us as God calls us to. Being real sheep. That's who we're supposed to be, those who listen to our chief shepherd. So this morning, listen to the shepherd. Let's pray. Father, I ask that we as your people would learn how to listen to you. That we would be those who hear your call and stop getting distracted by all the things that pop in front of us. That we would hear the call and when you lead us, we would walk where you take us. God, help us to be people who can discern between the real call and the fake call. Have us be, be sheep that, that trust our shepherd, that hear the voice, that, that stop running off all the time. And when we do run off all the time and you come and you, and you break us to restore us, to make us the people we are supposed to be, 
that we would understand the situations that we are in. So we would cling firmly to you and your hand. God, everything in life is all about you. And we learn so much by listening to your voice and going to the places you call us to go. This morning, speak to each one of us, individually and corporately, so that we individually follow you, but we also, as a corporate group of people, follow you. And that this world changes because of the difference that you made in us. Teach us how to be good sheep and follow the one good shepherd. Amen.